If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast. This is our 2023 Arnold Palmer Invitational and Puerto Rico Open Tips Podcast. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's PGA Tour action. Morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you? It's been 28 hours of hell, but I'm almost on the other side. You do love these double-headed PGA Tour weeks, don't you? Yeah, been grafting, mate. Relentless. <laughs> Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, strokes gained analysis for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That is a great piece of analysis. Rankings across all the different skill sets, including total. For all of the with this week's field at Bay Hill going back to 2016, you should be using that. We've got tournament form statistics, and of course, we have two PGA Tour predictor models for both the API and the Puerto Rico Open. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge. There's no paywall. Paul is at Golf Betting. If you want to follow him on Twitter, I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. If you are listening or watching, I don't know what you'd be watching, but uh, you can certainly listen to this on the YouTube channel. Um, Please press the like button. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. I always say this, leave your name and where you are in the review. Now, Peter from South Australia has taken time out of his day to write us a five-star review. Thank you very much, Peter. Hi, guys. Um, it's Oh, it's entitled, Always a Great Listen, with all the stats and so much more. Hi, guys. I've been a member of the Golf Betting System Facebook group since Adam Scott won the Masters. But it wasn't until the COVID lockdowns that I started listening to the podcast. Now, it's a regular part of my golf research. I was missing so much info not listening for all of these years. Great course breakdown and stats and plenty of other tidbits to help us find winners. Always a pleasure to listen to. Appreciate the effort, guys. Oh, and just a heads up, Tony Finau came to me in a dream and said, don't back me until the Masters where I'll be winning. So there's your Masters winners. That is cheers, guys, from Peter Brunot. Brunot, and he's in South Australia. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, Peter's been a, a long-time member of the uh, Facebook group. Um, going back, as you say, going back to when Adam Scott won the, uh, won the Masters. Oh, I've tried to erase it. Yeah, I've tried to erase it from my memory, that, after uh, after the Cabrera um, lack of winning that week. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great to have that feedback, Peter. And uh, as for Tony Fina, well, we'll have to see. Um, I can't say that he's come to me in my dreams, Steve. I don't know about you, but um... I've backed him in so many majors, and you know he's a bit of an each way cash machine, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he does like a major top ten finish, doesn't he? 
perhaps it's his time. He's certainly playing good enough golf uh, at the back end of last year and some good stuff already this year to suggest that he could feature this year. We'll, we shall see. For the listeners, I have now got one review left to read next week. So please invest some time. Give us a five-star review. And, of course, we are so close. It's, I think we're literally four away or something ridiculous. Press the five-star button on Spotify. Get us over 300. That would be wonderful. Now, we need to talk about last week. Talking about painful losses. You had Yannick Paul. Yannick Paul. Five-shot lead, which got whittled away by the end. And uh, yeah, Marcel CM came through and, uh, and snatched the title from, from our grass, which was uh, disappointing, wasn't it? I, I, I don't think you can frame it any other way, really. If you'd have offered me 13 under on that course at the start of the event, mm. um, bogey-free final day, I'd have snapped your hand off because no one has won at that level. No one's got to 13 under. You kind of had nine, tens, 11s that have won there, but 13 under would have been a winning total any other year. Seven under through the first round, first round lead, a 10 under, five shot lead at halfway. Uh, kind of trod, trod water on sun, uh, Saturday and then, as I say, bogey free on Sunday. Perhaps could have been a little bit more aggressive. I mean, you, you're talking about the 18th, which potentially you could have gone for. Hmm. Um, Marcel CM rode his luck a couple of times a couple of times when he could have easily found the water but it was his week and uh, it, it wasn't our week which was that ball <laughs> on 15 when he was in the rough mate that must have carried by what a yard and a half yeah, onto the green not much not much as I say it's, yeah you could say it was lucky or you know sometimes you've got to go for your shots and you know, the eventual winner of any golf tournament tends to have, uh, you know, the, the things that needed to go right have gone right for them during the course of the the week or the final day. And yeah, it, it was CM's time. His first win that for, for eight years. So yeah, mm-hmm. we, we've had a lot of these players, you know, um, Kirk again over in, uh, on the P, on the PGA at the Honda. He's, he's another one who ended an eight-year winless streak last week. So still all the rage to go and get yourself back on the uh, back in the winner's circle after all these years but yeah we move on Yannick Paul has now jumped into the Ryder Cup team for Team Europe yeah mm. European points McElroy Rahm Yannick Paul he's leapfrogged Victor Perez mm. world points Victor Hovland Shane Lowry Seamus Powell early days but that's the kind of golf yeah. Yannick Paul's been playing. Well, yeah, absolutely, and you know, the, a lot of the noise is about the the Hoygaard brothers. Um, you know, potentially one or both of them making it. But um, if you've got a player like Yannick Paul who can continue to contend and potentially win more tournaments between now and September, then um, who knows? Um, this scope both sides of the pond for players to to sneak in that you wouldn't ordinarily expect. So, yeah. Interesting few months to come up, I think. Absolutely. I'm trying to find Yannick Paul in the world rankings, and I haven't found him yet. I've missed him. No, you're not going to get in play, playing for the D, on the DP World Tour. You just don't get those. You, know, you just don't get that level of no. um, points, do you, for winning winning tournaments? But... He jumped ten places for finishing second on the DP World Tour last week. Probably about right, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. 
I've got a new person, a new player to put on my post-it note of doom. <laughs> now, people will say to me when I when I mention the guy's name, I can't believe that that guy isn't on your post-it note of doom anyway. Um, you would say that to me after what he did to you at Torrey Pines a few weeks ago. But Ben Arn, yep. I mean, I know he's a lovely bloke. He's great on Twitter. But by God, you know, any port in a storm when when you're coming on a Sunday with Ben Arn. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. He is absolutely spineless on a Sunday. <laughs> oh dear. It's it's not not quite gone his way, is it, Sundays recently? Now, when I mention the post-it note of doom, I always have to run through it because people, you know, listeners will be saying, especially non-regulars, who's on your post-it note of doom, Steam? Well, the post-it note of doom now reads: Ben Arn, Austin Cook, Emiliano Grillo, Russell Henley. Yes, I know Henley won at the end of last year. There's also a name on here that is going to seriously test my metal moving forward because this guy is playing some really good stuff. T to Groom. We've just got to pick the right track. Well, you don't need to putt very well. Luke List. Mm. Um, Denny McCarthy's on the list. Now, I saw, oh, masses of people jumping on ben, uh, Denny McCarthy last week at 25 to 1. That he was going to get his first victory in 147 starts. Miscut. So that's Denny McCarthy. Patrick Rogers. That goes without saying, doesn't it? Adam Scott. Brendan Todd. And the bottom name was Cameron Tringali. And of course, then Tringali went off to LIV, so I don't need to worry about him, in fact. No, I'll cross scrub, him off right scrub. now. Cameron's mm. off, replaced by Ben Arn. <laughs> so that, that leaves some space for another, but quickly filled by Ben Yeah, Arn. there'll be plenty more this year, no doubt. Mm. But yes, Ben Arn, post-it note of Doom. See you later. Won't be backing you ever again. It's a shame, because he's playing some... Largely good golf, yeah. but yeah, as you say, but you just don't need that. You don't need depression, Paul. You don't need to be going to bed on a Sunday night late, knowing that Ben Arn has cost you a half reasonable week because he's spineless. Mm. So the best thing to do is don't back them. Yeah, not yeah. good. He was sixty no. to one. He, he was in eighth place. Tied there, you just think, Ben, don't make any mistakes. Nick a birdie here. You know, we're covering the week six, and then all of a sudden the bogey train starts, and then he, and it's typical Ben Arn. It's like un, uh, drive to unknown, and of course on fit on eighteen, he then bangs it straight in the water, and you think, don't need this anymore. Got to go. Good to see Chris Kirk win. I was actually on mm. Chris Kirk in that tournament last year. He got a place for me. I've yeah. I got absolutely kind of. I focus far too much on driving distance and power. And if I'd have just looked at where Chris Kirk plays well, has played well in the past, how well he'd been playing, you just take the 25 to 1 and sit with it, but ignored it. Uh, Team USA now. This is all via Noz Ferratu, of course, on Twitter. Always worth a follow. Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Max Homer, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa. Chris Kirk is now sixth. And an automatic pick, no, sorry, an automatic selection for Team USA for the Ryder Cup. That's how well that Chris yeah. Kirk has been playing. 
Well, he's been playing some good stuff, and I mean that was reflected in his price last week, wasn't it? Twenty-five to one was one. one that was one of those you, you hold your nose, don't you? But we said on the podcast what we're going to get now, especially something like the Val Spar coming up. You're going to get mm. players like that. Twenty twenty-five to one. Justin Rose was twenty-five to one. We held our nose. No, yeah. I don't fancy that. So even on these weeks where the big players aren't playing on the PJ Tour, you've got twenty-five to one shots winning. So actually. In a way, you know, PGA Tour betting is getting easy. You just got to kind of get your preconceptions out of the way and just go with the bloody obvious. Well, yeah, and if you, you can, can consider, there's three tiers now, isn't there? Effectively, on the PGA Tour, you've got the got the the big events like the Arnold Palmer, the designated events. You've got the second tier ones now, similar to the to the Honda last week, and then the uh, the third tier alternate events. Um, and I think your strategy just needs to adapt a little bit to mm. to, to consider what those different uh, nuances are between those three types of event. Seven, eight, seven through twelve: Cam Young, Keegan Bradley, Patrick Cantlay, Xander, Tom Hoagie, Keith Mitchell. There's some names in there you wouldn't have expected at the turn of the year, isn't there? You've got Tony Finau, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, all outside of the top twelve. Mm. Now, yeah, Finau and Spieth would get a pick. Sam Burns, not sure about. You've also got Sahith Tigala in the mix and Kevin Kisner, who's short to be coming to some courses that are short Bermuda grass that he'll actually like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, Kirk, Bradley, Hoagie, Mitchell getting into the mix. Yeah, and some of these bigger. Some of these bigger names will make a make a dent in that as they come up to major season. I'm sure where the points are going to be be big and uh, the opportunity is there for them to catch up. But uh, you know, with the, with the live players um, out of the equation, that's going to uh, open some doors for some players. You know, like a like a Chris Kirk who could potentially sneak in if he can continue his his form over the next uh, six months or so. We shall see. I think if Eric Cole had won that playoff, uh, the bookmakers would have gone into meltdown. Mm, yeah, there's a, a few on him at some mad prices, weren't there? Absolutely crazy prices. Now, it's a busy week. I am going to go against the grain because literally I've been writing this content from about 5am this morning. So my mind is into the Puerto Rico Open. I do apologise to listeners. We will get to the Arnold Palmer in a short while. We have the Puerto Rico Open, which, as Paul kind of succinctly said, is now the third level of PJ Tour event, maybe even the fourth. But still worth a hell of a lot of money to the winner and still worth a priceless two-year exemption on the PJ Tour. Which is why you see Ryan Brem playing every week on the PJ Tour at the moment. That bloke never has a week off. Unbelievable, Ryan Brain. Yeah. Perhaps he's going for Sung JM's title. Him and his wife just go around playing every single event. He actually got an was it eleventh or fourteenth last week? There's kind of probably 150k straight in the bank account. Yeah, bank a nice check. This is the point though, isn't it? And that's the point with these Puerto Rico opens and your Corrales championships and your Barbasol championships. You know, you've got players here playing for a, a career changing victory. Mm. Wouldn't it have been a good week to um, to do a co-sanctioned event with a DP World Tour this week? Given they've uh, you know they've obviously got that precedent 
out there with the uh, the Barbasol and the Barracuda. Um, no no DP World Tour event this week, and they've really had to scrape around for a field for Puerto Rico. Um, perhaps they should have got their heads together and uh, and done a co-sanctioned event with the the DP World Tour, and it would have been a, been quite a quite an interesting one to, to <coughs> preview. Well, wasn't the history of the Puerto Rico Open that it pretty much was there as the alternate to the WGC? Yep, originally, yeah. And there's this meant to be this special relationship between the PJ Two and the DP World Tour, which doesn't really seem to be that special at all. Hmm. Yeah. Opportunity missed, I think. It would have certainly made this field a lot stronger the, rather than Duffy Waldorf withdrawing and Yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. And the DP World Tour players are sitting there uh, watching the T V this week. They play this at the Grand Reserve Country Club. It's had various names over the years. Um, Coastal. It's a resort level scoring test. I mean, we're looking at 20 under are winning this week. 7,506 yards to par 72. And all past Sparlam. Paspalum fairways, Paspalum rough, two and a half inches in length. Sea dwarf Paspalum, six and a half thousand square feet on average green surfaces. Always play soft, they always get the hoses out. If it really blows here, this can even play as a technical level test. Um, we have seen... Uh, was it Alex Chaker won here at some ridiculously high score yeah, back in 2015? Seven under, yes. Uh, the year Fino won was 12 under. It howled. And when I talk about howling, I mean, I'm talking gusting 35, 40 miles an hour for most of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, Trainer was the last really windswept year we saw here. He won at 15. I'm not seeing a huge amount of wind in the forecast. I'm seeing 12, 15, and that isn't going to cause... I mean, when I see that on Windfinder, that off, Windfinder, that often becomes 20 when it comes to the PGA Tour reporting. But that around here is what the course is designed for. So 20, 21 under, I think, wins this week. Plenty birdies. I think there's a... There's a ver- <laughs> It's an alternate event. There's so many different ways you could look at this. I mean, Ryan Brem won this. He wasn't. He didn't even have PGA Tour status last year. He was ranked 773rd in the world. 70 to 1. I'd have, I'd have looked at that and just literally put a line straight through it. Yeah, yeah. But... It must have been showing something to have... Got boy, this is the point. Price. He'd finished 38th on the Suncoast uh, Corn Ferry event the week, uh, two weeks before. And if you actually looked at his numbers, he ranked first for total driving and first for ball striking on, at the Sun Coast. He'd finished ninth in Colombia, the outing before that. So playing all yeah. right, yeah? Yeah. 18th at Abaco, which they play in the Bahamas on a coastal course that's very similar to this. They playing all right, 70 to 1. No PGA Tour status. That was something as well that um, Scott Brown did back in 2013. Yeah, he won at fifty to one. 
and he was coming off a seventh in Colombia and a third in Panama on what they called then the web.com. So it's possible. But we've got other winners in here. I mean, Brandon Grace was, I mean, I'll always to this day jump off the roof of the house. The fact that I didn't put Brandon Grace up that week, I went, I think I went for someone like Tom Lewis at the same price. I mean, what I was thinking back then, I've no idea. But Grace won this when he was in half decent nick and needed a win. Uh, Hovland, of course, 12 to 1 favourite in 2020. If you could see someone at the top of the market this week, then you'd look at the field and go, blood God, that guy is just hands and shoulders. Or head and shoulders above the rest of the field. You'd probably back him, but I yeah. don't see that. I'm seeing Nate Lashley as the favourite. Andrew Novak, second favourite. Scott Piercy, Sam Stevens. I mean, Sam Stevens could walk past me on the street and I wouldn't even know who he was. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not the most star-studded at the top end of that market. The two names that jump out to me in terms of quality would be Akshay Batia, who I think is going to have a very good future in the mm. top level, and probably Eric Van Ruen. Yeah. I mean, Eric's a decent player. He actually won, didn't he? He won the Barracuda, was it last year? Again, another yeah, one of these yeah. second or these third-tier events. Yeah. I think this is the point. Some players will look at this as a big opportunity, and you know, will have targeted it. It would be a big focus for them to come and try and compete and contend this week. Whether these boys at the top can actually pull that off when uh, when push comes to shove at fourteen to one or whatever, we shall see. I've always got notes for this, Paul. Never back favourites that are in half decent nick or someone coming here off of a good result. Because inevitably they turn up here, they're talked about, they're in a very uncomfortable situation they're not used to, i.e. one of the favourites for a tournament. Yeah. And they cock something up. They could cock up the first round, they could cock up the third round. Something happens and they don't they don't get in the each way places. Yeah. So I'm going down oh well, I'm going down various various different rabbit holes. I'm looking for players that have, have been near the top of leaderboards recently. I think there's something in this course about bombers. I mean, Ryan Brem, the year before, he'd averaged 312 off the tee. He was 11th for driving distance on the PGA Tour the year before he went back on the Corn Ferry. So if there was one thing he could do, it was drive the golf ball a long way. Yeah. Hovland was 22nd for driving distance coming into this. We've also got Martin Trainer. I mean, he won this at 125 to 1 off a very little form. As a rookie on the PGA Tour, he was 18th for driving distance coming into this. Uh, you've also got, of course, Tony Finau, who is a bit of a bomber. He was ranking first for driving distance when he won this on the PGA Tour. So my by my, that's four of the last six are big, long drivers of the golf ball. Yeah, makes a level of sense. One angle. The dimensions of the course. Not every angle, though. DA Points no. has won this. Uh, I wouldn't call Brandon Grace an absolute monster off the tee. He's kind of adequate, isn't he? I'd say he's above average. Um, So there's ways of skinning cats that doesn't mean you have to be a bomber to win this. So I wouldn't put everything in the bomber bomber line of attack. The one bomber I have put in, well, I put a couple in that are pretty strong drivers. I've had to join this Brandon Matthews train this week. 
He was mm. priced up at 200 to 1 on first show by 365. He's been backed in now to 100 to 1. Best I could get was 100 to 1 this morning. Coral, Coral, seven places each way. Yeah. This bloke is an absolute beast off the tee. Third for driving distance, 32nd for driving distance, all drives. That's about the only thing he can do, though. He can hit the ball a long way. He certainly can't hit it straight. But actually here with these really wide fairways, I don't see that being a huge problem. And we are playing Paspalum. Yep. So you don't tend to get a lot of roll on the fairway. That's going to play into his hands, I think. Mm. And I can see why people are all over him like a rash. Tenth for drive, total driving. Seventh for greens in regulation. Sixth for ball striking last week at PGA National. Now... I know this goes against Chris Kerr, but I did say that strong driving distance isn't a bad look at PGA National. And then you get someone like Brandon Matthews popping up, who was actually top 29 heading into the weekend last week. Bear in mind, he's done absolutely nothing on the PGA Tour since he's arrived. But I think this course is going to suit Brandon Matthews massively. And, you know, we talk about biorhythms, and I know that Barry talks about biorhythms a lot on this podcast. He's, he's, he's yeah. into biorhythms. By, bearing in mind, oh, by the way, listeners, he's actually in Oslo at a business function. That's why Barry isn't with us this week. But um, this Brandon Matthews was second in Panama and first in Colombia last February on the Corn Ferry. Yep. So, yeah, I, I just... I went to bed playing with the idea of Brandon Matthews and I thought, well, he fits. It's the kind of bloke, Martin Trainer like that barely anyone's heard of that just comes in and, oh, who's this Brandon Matthews chaps? And you'll be watching it go, bloody hell, it's it a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the, the thing will come up on the TV screen. Oh, he won the uh, he, he won in Columbia last February on the Corn Ferry mm-hmm. Tour. Oh, yeah, and second it, of course he did, yeah. Now, another player of that ilk that I've also gone for, that's a point each one. All of these are a point each one for the betting plan. Brent Grant. Now, some of us might be more up to speed with Brent Grant because I can remember Brent Grant playing well at both Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach recently. Now, you look at Grant, another guy that can hit the ball a long way. I think he's 305 off the tee, something like that. He's in the top 40 for driving distance. He's had four paychecks so far on the PGA Tour. 35th at Port Royal, Bermuda. 54th at Sea Island. Then he's had a 25th at Torrey Pines. He was fourth after 36 holes. He was also the first-round leader at Torrey Pines back in January. And he was 20th at Pebble Beach uh, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago now, wouldn't it be? And he was fifth after 54 holes. Yep. So he's actually been poking his head out and seeing some of the daylight of what it's like to be in the sort of leading groups on the PGA Tour. He's now arriving in Puerto Rico. Mm. Um, He withdrew last week after a plus seven opening round. I expect, I don't know, maybe his toenail was giving him some grief or... (laughs) Maybe the little, little the little toe was, and he thought, I'll have a couple of days off and get myself over to uh, Puerto Rico, do some practicing. Mm. 
Interestingly enough, another winner on the Corn Ferry last year. I like that. If you're going to have a Corn Ferry winner, you really you want to see someone that can actually get the job done. He won the Simmons Bank Open, which they play. I think it's the, that's the one that's supported by Brant Schnedeker down in Tennessee. Yeah. He won on Mini Verde Ultra Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens. Grew up in Hawaii. I think he's got no issues at all on, on Bermuda or Paspalum agronomy. Uh, he was 19th, 8th after 54 holes at the 2020 Great Exuma Classic, which they play in Bahamas on Paspalum. He just seems to play well by the coast. He's fought top 50 for driving distance and he's 23rd for strokes going off the tee. I think he's another that could get here, see the fact that these fairways are lovely and generous, that he's got par fives he can get stuck into. He's got the, the, mm. the beautiful smell of the... The sea, and then he just start playing some nice golf. So eighty to one, I took bet three six five eight places each way. Yeah, via that each way extra facility. Kevin Roy, I've got him at sixty six to one again with bet three six five eight places each way via the each way extra facility. Now he's a different kind of player. He's a very good iron player. Now bearing in mind with fourteen measured PGA Tour events into the year. He ranks in the top 30 for strokes gained on approach. He's got decent form on Paspalum Greens in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, he lives in Tampa Bay, Florida. He was 19th at the Great Exuma Classic in 2020, fourth last year at the Great Abaco Classic. He's also going to arrive in good spirits with a game that is firing. After finishing 29th at the Honda Classic last week, he, fin- he ranked third for total driving. Fifth for total accuracy and second for ball striking. I absolutely love those numbers heading into this. Someone that's going to stand on the tee just know that he's hitting the ball really, really well in a very weak corn ferry like event. I mean, it's a corn ferry event, isn't it? Let's let's be frank yeah, about yeah. it. Yep. He's also yep. brilliant in terms of proximity to hole. I think he was ranking in like the top 10 for proximity to hole, which is crazy after 14 events. And mm. also, he's outstanding from over 200 yards an hour. He's in the top... Um, he ranks 10th for proximity from above 200 yards, which you're going to get oh, plenty of this week. Yeah, yeah. And he's sitting there on the PGA Tour stats amongst players of the ilk of Gary Woodland, Sung Jae Im and John Rahm. So if you're going to focus on some players that are good at one particular thing, and that can work on this golf course, I think there's a worse bet out there than Kevin Roy, who's yeah. just had his best PGA Tour result, likes playing on Paspalum and in these sort of warm climates, and he's, his, he's, he's absolutely hitting the ball. You know, brilliantly right now. So like Kevin Roy. I've got two more, and I'm going to let you cover them off because I think it's a first on the Golf Betting System podcast, completely, because we don't talk about who we're selecting before we sit down for the pod. You have gone for exactly the same two players that I have at the top of my betting card. So give me a rest because I'm going to be talking a lot on this podcast. Does that bode well, do you think? Don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> talk, talk us through no, these two players for the listeners. Yeah, you're right. No, we ha- we haven't conferred on this, and uh, we've ended up in exactly the same spot, which is um, 
I, th- yeah, I don't think it's worrying or it actually has led us to the same, uh, to the right conclusion. I don't know. Um, anyway, Bryce Garnett's the first one I backed. 50 to 1. I thought 50 to 1 and Bryce Garnett was Madness. an outstanding price. Mm. Um, in fact, it was still there again this morning, Tuesday. Um, 50 to 1. That was with eight places each way um, with the Bet365 each way extra proposition. And. Um, Paul, yeah, this is he's twenty five to one, seven places each way. Yeah, with Paddy Power, he's half the price at seven places that we've got with Bet three six five on eight places this week. It's, it's mad. It is mad. Yeah, I, I you know, if, if 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 I was having just one bet this week, it'd be Bryce Garnett and leave it alone. I've, I've got I've got three, but um, we'll go, we'll go for this. Bryce Garnett, um, it's the kind of kind of event he takes seriously, isn't it? He won the Corrales back in twenty eighteen. That was another uh, alternate event. That was against the Match Play. It must have been back then, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, form here, Grand Reserve, miscut 38, 26, 25, 7 over the last two years, 5th and 7th. So um, gets on well with the course. 20th at the Sony Open. He closed with a round of 64 that week, um, which was eye-catching. 5th uh, to halfway last week, 8th to 54 holes. Yeah. Had, had, a, had a bit Absolutely. of a Benny Ann on Sunday, didn't he? But um yeah, yeah, the Honda is not as it wasn't as um, prestigious as the Genesis or or Phoenix, but um, certainly it was a rung or three above where we are this week. So to see him right in the mix with eighteen holes to go, um, and then to be priced up at fifty to one this week, yeah, and this this is much more his kind of level. Now we talk about the predictor, and every now and again, um, and how that influences the decisions that you and I make. I was flicking through the stats for Bryce Garnett on the predictor and um, his rankings on the additional variables that you add in um, was really eye-catching. And this is, this is basically what made me want to pick him this week. Uh, for Paspalum, he ranks first in his field over the last five years for results on Paspalum greens. Um, in terms of resort scoring, he ranks 14th. In terms of coastal events, he ranks first. Um, playing hot, in hot and humid conditions, he ranks first in this field. Um, eighth for um, playing in soft conditions. Second for windy conditions. Third for past 72s. And second for playing in, or, or performances on long courses. That is pretty much a full house for a player in terms of course fit. So, um, again, you know, I can't emphasise it anymore, I don't think. Um, for 50, 50 to 1 shot... Um, who's been showing some decent form at a higher level in recent weeks? Just got to be put in, I think. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I have read through to your justification, but I'm not sure there's, unless you want to add anything else to that in particular. Well, it'd be flannel, but bear in mind that the average price of this of winner is 80 to 1 since 2010. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure chasing, you know. Nate Lashley at twelve to one is the right strategy this week, but no. chasing Bryce Garnett at fifty to one makes tons of sense. Mm. He's um, yeah. he's finished twentieth, fifth, and seventh here over the last three renewals. And you look at his stats because it's all basic traditional stats here. Twenty fifteen, they ranked tenth for greens in regulation. Last uh, fifth in twenty twenty one, and last year he was second for greens in reg. And you say, well, it might be, you know, he's playing better golf than no, he wasn't. And you just look at his numbers rolling in, he's just, you know, just as bad week to week as he is at the moment. But it was eye catching last week. I mean, fifth at halfway, 
top 10 still going into Sunday. And we're finding him at 50 to 1 this week in this awful field. Yep. So, yeah, I'm all over him like, in that, like a rash at Bryce Garnett. Big opportunity for Bryce. Now, this so. one, I mean, this is right up your street, this this final tip. <laughs> Jim Herman. Oh, yes, yes. the Hermanator. <laughs> Again, we've both plumped for for Jim. The sixty six is out there, and again, we've both taken sixty to one with um, the uh, eight place option with three six five. Three times a winner on tour, and there's not many in this field who can boast that kind of level of uh, wins on the PGA Tour proper. One of them was at the Barbasol back in twenty nineteen. Another alternate event, which again suggests that he picks or he can um, raise his game for these alternate events and as we've said it's a big opportunity for these guys to get another couple of years playing rights and uh, another PGA Tour title under their, under their belt um, seventh year last year and that was after opening with a round of 76 so he was much much better from uh, from Friday onwards um, much much better last week as well he made the cut on the mark last week and then shot 67 66 mm. over the weekend that tied the best aggregate 36 holes over the weekend of the entire field uh, and went up from the cut line to finish in a tie for 14th so, so something clearly clicked last week and um, particularly over the weekend and um, Jim is that kind of player who can win golf tournaments and there are plenty in this field who can't win golf tournaments or don't win golf tournaments. So. You say that. You know that, that he was T1, quite rightly. He was T1 last week over the last 36 hole for scoring, yeah? Yeah. That was actually the same score that Ryan Brem got, who won here last year. It was yep. also the same as Dylan Wu. Now, Dylan Wu is 25 to 1 this week. And I'm getting Jim Herman, a three-time PGA Tour winner, who... If you add up together his three PJ Tour wins and the scores, he's 62 under par for those three. That averages through at minus 21 winning score for his three tour titles. This mm. is right up his street. Yep. Last year, like you said, finished seventh here. His form heading in was miscut, 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 miscut. And he's coming here this year with momentum off a 13th at the P- at PJ National. Love it. Oh, sorry, 14th. Love it. Yeah. No, I think it's... It's uh, another one of these things, and a lot of these odds now, they're all based upon the same strokes gained data and the, and the same strokes gained predictor models and number crunches that people use. And you ain't going to get a decent outcome with someone like a Bryce Garnett or a Jim Herman on those... No, no. They're just not consistent enough. Not consistent enough. You know, their, their aggregate strokes gained positions won't be anywhere near high enough. But no. if you pick them on, you know, those spiky weeks that they can have, um, they can go and win golf tournaments. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about the pair of those guys, I must say. And uh, the fact that we're both on them, let's let's hope they're battling it out for the title on uh, on Sunday afternoon. We so shall see. Paul is on Garnet and Herman. I'm also additionally on Kevin Roy, Brent Grant, and the bomber that is Brandon Matthews. We shall speak no more of the Puerto Rico Open. Uh, well, yeah, just one final mm. point on that. Um, Matt Every is playing this oh, week. God. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. I should have known. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not played since July, but 
Um, perhaps he should be motivated as he's, he's not playing Black Bay Hill where he's won twice and uh, he's, he's not, not been asked to come over and play at Bay Hill this Call week. Call it that if he can even champion. remember winning there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was the pinnacle of his career twice. But, um, but yeah, he's playing this week. Um, don't look at his form because he hasn't played since July um, and the form prior to that was awful. He's 500 to 1 with extended places, 750 for standard places, 250 to 1 for first round leader. First round leader is far more likely than a win, um, but I've had a, a few shekels on both of those just in case he can come in red hot, super motivated to prove that he should be playing Bay Hill this week and, uh, and go and take down the Puerto Rico Open. Or the first round at the Puerto Rico Open, I'll take that and uh, and see where he goes from there afterwards. Yes, that's me, Steve. No, no more on Puerto Rico for me. We're not going to we're going to talk about it until next the start of next week's show when we'll be moaning like sin about <laughs> all of our Puerto Rico selections. Right, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, another designated event. We've got one next week, the Players Championship. So by my reckoning, that's four designated in five weeks. Mm. I don't think this is quite as strong as the ones that we saw at Riviera and Phoenix. Uh, when you've got David Lingmouth in the field, uh, and yeah. you, meant, you mentioned some other players in this that doesn't, doesn't really feel as strong. So there no, must be some of the underbelly to... missing. Yeah, not compared to Phoenix and uh, and Riviera. It, 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 yes, yeah, designated, but it's, it's it's a slight reduction, isn't it? I know overall quality. I think. Uh, Thriston Lawrence is playing from the DP it World is, Tour. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Yep. Um, it's a cracking event. This, I mean, clearly a homage to Arnold Palmer. Played on his golf course, Bay Hill Country Club. Windermere, Orlando, Florida. Um, it's long. It's 7,466 yards. Um, it's in Florida. It's a Florida-type golf course. We've got water hazards in play on nine of the 18 holes this week. Always scares me with Tony Finau. I also call it a classical golf course because, in a way, the greens are very... Um, the greens are pretty difficult. Um, there's lots of different shapes of holes. There's there's, winter, there's actually trees in play on quite a few. Um, it's a par 72. The one thing I will say here, the agronomy, uh, there's a change in the agronomy this, this year. The celebra It's celebration Bermuda grass, but they're overseeded with perennial rye. They weren't overseeded last year. Uh, the roughest celebration Bermuda grass again overseeded with perennial rye. It's three inches in length. So we've got thicker rough than last week at PJ National. Although because it's mixed with the rye, it's not quite as tough. Seven and a half thousand square feet on average of the greens. They're big. I think that's exactly the same as last week. Mm. And again, exactly the same in terms of Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. I think they actually watered the greens last week. They didn't have the zip in them at PJ National that we've seen in the past. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah I think they were getting the, the hoses out in the mornings. 
Mm. I mean, there was plenty of run on the fairways. Good God. And, and you know, you, you, you were getting dust off the approach shot. So the fairways were as dry as we anticipated. But they, I think they took it a little bit easy on the greens. And that's why 14 under one. I'm not so sure this time. They t- in homage to Arnold Palmer, they do let this this tournament run wild. They play this as a major, mate. Um, they really do. I mean, all we've got to say is six under won it last, uh, five under won it last year. Scotty Scheffler, eleven under Bryson DeChambeau. That wasn't as windy. Five mm. under Tyrrell Hatton. Francesco won at twelve under. It's major championship tough. They've toughened the golf course up since Rory McIlroy absolutely ripped it to shreds at 18 under in 2018. Um, there's there's also a lot of rough around the around the greens now that they've built up the collars. It's almost like an old US Open, dense, yeah. thick, rough all around the greens. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember last year I was on Victor Hovland and the course had a little bit of softness in it and the wind laid down and he absolutely ripped it to shreds for 36 holes. He was all over it. I think he was leading by quite a chunk going into the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Then the wind got up, then it got firm, then Victor started coming back to the field. Uh, It became a lot more about scrambling and short game and putting. I think, and I was looking at this in terms of, I I do this on the golf betting show every week. I basically compare each course to what we've seen previous. And it's absolutely true here that this is one tournament that's a bit of an oddity on the PGA Tour. Basically, strokes gain tee to green and strokes gain putting. If you look at it in terms of positions across skill sets for the champions here, going back to 2016, they're level. So strokes, uh, strokes gained tee to green of the winners here since 16, 8th in the field. Strokes came putting, ninth. Now I'll just compare that to the Honda Classic. Prior to last week, tee to green there of the previous winners going back to 2016 was third. Mm. Yeah. That won't change because Kiris Kirk basically was fifth for tee to green winning it last year, uh, last week. Strokes game putting, 22nd in terms of field position. You've got to be a good putter this week at Bayhill. You've got to make plenty of putts in this gusting wind. And when I've looked at my strokes gained records going back in the past, the past three winners of this um, have all ranked in the top 25 on my strokes gained putting metric for the last eight weeks heading in. So guys that have been putting well since the start of that calendar year. Now to throw that into some context, I'll dance with the devil this week. I'm seeing Rory McIlroy as third this in my strokes gained T to green metric right now. He's ninth for strokes gain total. He's absolutely nowhere near the strokes gain putting metric. Because Rory's going through one of those fallow p- p- periods with the flat stick. Yeah. That, to me, looking at what I've seen over the last three years, I would look at the top three in the betting. John Rahm can't keep winning. 
Rory McIlroy doesn't seem to have the putting game right now. And it will click. We know it's going to click. It's where it clicks. And at what price point does it click? So of the top three, I'd probably be taking Scotty Scheffler, which I have taken win only. Because he sits currently second for tee to green over the the first eight tournaments of the year. He also sits in the top 16 for strokes game putting. So, I'm on Scheffler this week. Now, I've I've had a question. I've had a, a nice um, question from Chris Dooley this morning. He actually emailed me at 5.57am. So, if you're in the UK, Chris, what are you doing up at 5.57am? And secondly, if you're not, well, thanks for the email. He says, hi, Steve. I'm looking forward to your tips this week. He clearly hadn't read them. Uh, if you haven't recorded the podcast, is there any way you could add some statistics about players who do well in the wind, as it's supposed to get very windy Friday and Saturday? Thanks, Dawes. I'm happy to be of service. Now, I'm looking at Windfinder. Um, I'm looking at Orlando Executive Airport, which is pretty much next to the course, and it's showing gusts of up to 30 miles an hour on Friday, and it's showing gusts up to 25 miles an hour on Saturday. Now, on this course, yep. that's going to keep scoring very, very high. Yeah, right. it's going to be tough. I'm not going to go all through 25 the top best win players on our predictor model variable. Now, this variable goes back a rolling five years. I'll pick out some players that might be of interest. If I don't mention them, clearly they're not in the top 25. Now, Rory McIlroy sits tied 17th in terms of win play. Mm-hmm. Justin Thomas sits tied 13th with Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay. Top 10. Tie for ninth, Scotty Scheffler and Harris English. Bearing in mind that Scotty Scheffler's at a disadvantage there because he hasn't played on the PGA Tour for a full five years. That shows you the kind of player we're dealing with with Scheffler in the win. Yeah, yeah. Eight is Max Homer. Now, Barry said he's an excellent win player. Well, those numbers are starting to come through. Yeah. Tie for fifth. You're going to love some of these names. We're going to love one of them. John Rahm, Sung J. Im, <laughs> Emiliano Grio. <laughs> yeah. Fourth, Luke List. It's like my post-it note of doom. <laughs> three is three is Justin Rose, who's got a decent record here. He's ninety to one, you know. Mm. Joel Damon at two. Who do you reckon's top? You're the man that puts the predictor model together every week. Who do you think's top of the wind variable last five years on the PGA Tour? See, I would have said Luke List because he often does appear at the top there, so that's yeah, kind fourth. of flummoxed me there. Fourth. Um, Tony Fina. Really? Mm-hmm. Bear that in mind if the if Augusta's nice and windy this year. Mm. Right, before I go into my selections, I'm just going to talk through Bet365, of course. Um we're highlighting them pretty much every week purely because they're so damn good on their each way extras. Now, don't forget, of course, each way extra is running across both the Arnold Palmer and the Puerto Rico Open. I believe I'm up on four of my five at Puerto yeah, Rico. Yeah. Um, 
I've used their eight places each way at a 50 odds market. Specifically, you can choose to go up to 12 places, which Barry does. I think he it's 12 places at a ninth the odds, or is it an eighth the odds for the, the uh, no, yeah, ninth, yeah. Yeah, ninth. Now, right now, as we record this pod, they are market best odds and eight places each way. So best price in the market and eight places each way on. Rory McElroy at nine to one. They're the only firm going standalone 25 to 1 on Patrick Cantlay. Decent Nick. Tyrrell Hatton, a winner here, finished second here last year, 35 to 1, Tyrrell Hatton. Keith Mitchell is 50 to 1. Um, Killer Keith is 33 to 1 at Paddy Power. Or, and I just mentioned him, how about Justin Rose at 90 to 1? He is as short as 66 to 1 with Paddy Power. So you're getting brilliant prices. You're getting eight places each way if you use the each way extra facility. So we recommend Bet365. If you're 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet10 pounds, get 50 pounds in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in the podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code SPORT50 when registering. It's going to be tough, mate. It's going to be mm. a hard old tournament. Yeah. What do you reckon? Five under that feels, kind of number? It feels kind of Matt Fitzpatricky, but I haven't gone down that route. I wouldn't be surprised if you have. But anyway, I have already told you I've gone at the top. <clears throat> 12 to 1, 25 to 1, 11 to 1, 16 to 1, 16 to 1, 14 to 1. Those are people since November 2021 who have defended their titles and the prices they defended at. Hovland, Burns, McElroy, Cantley, Homer, Scheffler. Yet Scheffler. He is another one of these two maidens that actually defended their first title successfully at Phoenix, 14 to 1. He's won five events in the last 55 weeks. And I'm going to back him. I've backed him win only, 21 to 2 with Bet365, enhanced win. Because you know what? If you weren't on him and he won this, especially now that we're in this kind of, well, it's not kind of, it's it's reality, isn't it? Where Ram 15 to 2 favourite, Scheffler 14 to 1, Ram 15 to 2 favourite, Ram 7 to 1 favourite. Yeah. The biggest price we've had in a, a big tournament so far was Homer, which we were on at 28 to 1. Rose 25 to 1 at the Pebble Beach, which was a grade below Kirk last week, 25 to 1. So actually, I think we have to adapt. I mean, I know you were on Ram, weren't you, when he was winning at those short prices? Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of if you're gonna if you're gonna go down that route, it's kind of all or nothing. And if if your conviction is strong enough for yeah. that player for that week, then you know, you can put all your eggs in that one basket but um, yeah, I'm not convinced it's that kind of week this week and, and neither are you by the looks of it I think if there's one player at the very top that I would take looking at all the stats looking at how he operates looking at how he's already defended the tile his first one I'm going to go with Sheffield at the top mm. the one I'm really really into I mean that's like an insurance policy if anything the one I'm there's two I'm really into in fact it's, there's all four I'm quite excited about them all Zalatoris at 22 to 1. In the States, there was a 30 to 1 hanging on him with DK Sportsbook first thing. Bear in mind, you can't back them each way out in the States. 30 to 1. Wow. 
25-20 was chalked up with each way extra bet 365. I knew I wasn't going to get to that, but I did manage 22 to 1. Eight places each way with William Hill. So I've gone two and a quarter points with Zalatoris. Fourth at Riviera. At the end of the day, if this is going to be a if this is going to be a major championship type of affair, it's got Zalatoris all over, isn't it? But it's just this is where he comes to play, mate. He was 13th for total driving, 8th for greens and reg, 4th for ball striking, last time out of Riviera. That equated to 4th off the tee, 10th for approach, 6th for tee to green. The crazy thing, if I'd have sat here last year, and I was saying to you last year, I would never put Will Zalatoris up for the Arnold Palmer because his putting was so poor. But that seems to have turned a significant corner. Uh, he was 25th for strokes game putting when he won the FedEx St. Jude. We were on board summer of last year. That's on Bermuda yeah. grass. He was yeah. 13th for the same strokes game putting stat on the Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens at Kapalua this year. And this is the crazy number. Across my lo- the last eight weeks, so since the start of the PJ Tour in 2023, he's ranking 7th for strokes gained putting in this field. Mm-hmm. Tenth here on tournament debut in 2021. He also had an Arnold Palmer scholarship, which got him into Wake Forest for the university degree that he studied. So he's got that emotional tie with the great man. Mm. I think he's going to really go for it this week, get his second PGA to a victory. He ranks, by the way, on a set of par fives, which is the weakness of this golf course. First for birdie or better conversion on par fives this season. He's ripping the long holes to shreds. Mm. So Zadatoris, I got twenty-two to one. The other one on apps that I was really pleased with. It was the first tipper that I wrote. Strokes gained numbers last eight tournaments. Jason Day ranks first for putting. He also ranks. Sixth for tee to green, and he ranks first, you heard it, first for strokes gained total. Now, for those shouting down their listening devices at me, how can he be better than John Rahm? John Rahm's got a couple of funny numbers. He had some funny numbers at Torrey Pines South, and he also had some funny numbers that weren't as good as you would have thought they would be when he won the um, American Express he had some. He basically won that tournament away from the host course. He ripped the yeah. two, yeah, um, the two two rounds on the other courses. He ripped them to shreds. The two rounds on the stadium course were okay, but they weren't stellar. So Jason Day's actually nicked the strokes gain total metric over the first eight PGA Tour events of the year, and I found him thirteenth in the betting at thirty-five to one. That's just value. Yeah, he's playing some good stuff, Jason. Won him in 2016. You look at the winners list here. There aren't as many Americans on there as you would expect. Mm. Lots of Europeans, lots of Australians. Mark Leishman, Jason Day. Rod Pampling, going back in my memory. Mm. The worse the weather gets, the firmer the course gets and, you know, I think that plays to Day's strengths. Is it? He he's playing some phenomenal stuff. I, I still think yeah. we. 
A lot of people are stuck in this mentality that Jay Day's there complaining, he's injured everywhere. He, he's turned the corner, in my mind. 18th at PGA West, 7th at Torrey Pines, 5th at TPC Scottsdale. And the one that really got me, he absolutely hates Riviera Country Club. Cannot get on with the place. Finished ninth there last time out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big statement from him. Big, big statement. My next two, Paul, 80 to 1 and 180 to 1. So I don't know where you're at. Give me a rest for a couple of minutes. We'll talk, talk me through uh, your selections. Yeah, I've got I've got three. Um, one one's shortish, and then a couple of longer ones. The the one at the top or near the top of the market. Um, I I'm denied about this quite a lot because there there is there's a reason why you might not back him. Um, but um, I went back through again, kind of using the predictor model as the start for this. And the three factors, the three most dominant factors this week are likely to be the wind, the firmness of the course and the toughness, the technical um, side of the course this week. So loading those three factors into the predictor um, gave me John Rahm at the top, as you'd probably expect, Rory McIlroy second, as you'd probably expect, third, Xander Schauffele. Mm-hmm. Now, I looked at Xander's name and I thought, well, there's there's no noise about him this week. You know, there's there's everyone's on um, Will Zalatoris. If Zalatoris wins, then social media, golf, social media will just go bananas this week because absolutely everybody's on him. And for for you know for for absolutely the right reasons, he's going to be super popular. And he, if he wins, it will be a real coup. Um, the bookies will take an absolute battering. There's no noise about Xander. And if you go back, this is probably because he withdrew from the um, Century Tournament champions. He had a, um, a back issue. Yeah. We had back back discomfort. Um, now, I've listened to a podcast since to try and gain or ascertain exactly where he is with it. And um, he's had an MRI on it. There's nothing there. There's no there's no uh, damage. There's no injury as such. Um, he just needs to manage it. When it's sore, he just needs to take some time off. Um, after that... Um, we've seen, you know, when he has taken some time, he, he, clear, he clearly didn't play um, the rest of the century. He came to the uh, Amex. Um, he finished uh, third there, didn't he? He's, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He backed all the third, didn't he? Shot something mad on Sunday. That's, yeah, no, no. I'm just working through in, in, a, in a back to front way through the notes that I put on Xander. But yes, he, um, yeah. And it was, the, it was the par fives. That was the, the rationale for it. And going back to your um, kind of synopsis of this course the par fives are where you need to make hay with this yeah he was 18 under for the par fives and wow. an eagle each day for the first three days and then he shot he, he got an albatross in the final day so yeah. um you know overall 18 under that's that's a huge number i'm not sure i've seen any deeper for um courses with four par fives on um you know for, over the course of uh, uh the time that i've been looking at golf betting um so there's some form there um if you look at the kind of player that he is and on tough courses, look at his open record, his US open record, look at his major record, top tens in all four majors, um, runner up at the open, runner up at the Masters, third at the US open. His US open record in general, fifth, sixth, third, fifth, yeah. seventh, 14th. Be- you know, his best major by a long, long way, US open. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, if if it does turn into that kind of a grind this week, which is you know I say about a winning score, you know if it is that kind of five under, four under, that kind of number, six under, then he's the kind of player that can really 
thrive in those kind of conditions. And he's winning regular events now, isn't he? He won the Travellers at the back of, oh, or the middle of last year, won the Scottish Open. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's proven himself to be a um, you know capable of winning more than just these kind of no cut. Um, you know. <laughs> I'd say irregular events, um, and and getting himself over the line on some of these more more regular events, if you, if you could call them that. Um, you know, even with this potential back issue, third at the Amex, thirteenth for the Farmers, tenth in Phoenix. Now he played Genesis the week after Phoenix, thirty third. That was the second week on the trot. And again, going back to this podcast, um, where we talked about it, he just needs to manage when when he's getting a little bit of soreness with his back. He just needs to manage it. So he's not played since uh, Riviera. He's coming into this um, fresh, and uh, you know, by his estimation, he he should be a hundred percent for this. So. Yeah, I guess it, 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 the risk there is that there's some kind of issue. If there's no issue whatsoever, then um, 22 to 1 in this field could be, um, you know, that that's his kind of major price point, isn't yeah. it? And, you know, apart from the guys at the very top, it does thin out relatively quickly here. So, um, you know, 22 to 1 for eight places I took, I can readily see him finishing in the top eight and uh, potentially go and, uh, and get himself another win if he's... Uh, He's on the top of his form this week. Played here once, played and finished 24th, but it was the putter that did the damage that time. And uh, his tee to green game in recent times has been far, far better than that. So, yeah, we'll see. I'd, uh, I, I just I couldn't scrub him from my thoughts or lists. So I had to go down the Xander route. Um, I've got a couple of lo- um, three-figure shots. Do you want me to do that okay, now? Well, let, let me fit in Ricky Fowler. Okay. I reckon this time of year, it's a bit like the end of a calendar year where you've got players that are focusing on getting, say, top 50 in the world to get a Masters invite. And we see it all the time. Now, we've got two big cutoffs coming up. We've got a cutoff for the world match play. Yep. We've got a cutoff after the world match play. Top 50 in the world who aren't currently exempt get into the Masters. That's a massive carrot. Yeah, Especially yeah. for a player of Ricky Fowler's ilk. Now, I've got over 17,000 followers on Twitter. I asked the question last week, how's this match play going to work with the top 64 in the world? Will it include live players or will it not include live players? And all I got back... Well, I got some meat... I got some well... Um, some well-intentioned comments i.e. people still didn't know and then i've got the usual live bullshit Mm. but i didn't get the answer i've got no idea how the official world golf rankings and the top 64 for the match play are going to work are they going to be only pga tour players or are they going to include live players it's a uh, that tournament is a confederation of pga of tours around the world that pull it together because it's a WGC. So whether that means liver in it or not in it, I have no idea. And I I haven't seen anyone that's actually clarified that. So maybe no. it's still up in the air with this mediation that's going on in Europe. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Anyway, Ricky Fowler right now sits 70th in the world. Now, I calculated the other day that if you took 11 live players out of it, it would actually make the cutoff 75th in the world to get into the match play. So he still isn't guaranteed a spot if Liv aren't included. Um, If they, sorry, if they are included, if they aren't included, he's outside of the match play. 
And he's definitely outside of the Masters. Because we know that is after the match play finishes on that Monday, the world rankings. If Ricky hasn't won between then and there, then and there, he won't be in the Masters. So I just get the feeling that this event and next week's event foul a need to top five finish, top seven finish. Yeah. 80 to one, bet 365, eight places each way. I just thought that price was magnificent. Same price as Gary Woodland. Woodland's another one who could use this as another catapult to try and get him into some of these bigger, uh, get him into the match play. Yep. But yeah, I just love Fowler this week. I just think it was, do you know the number that got me? If you look at his strokes gained ball striking at Riviera, bearing in mind Fowler and Day are of the same ilk at Riviera. They don't get on with the place. But if you actually look at strokes gained ball striking for Ricky, so off the tee and, and approach combined at Riviera, his numbers were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It was... I, when I when I looked at his career going back to 2016, when they were started recording them, I think it was the fourth best or the fifth best strokes going ball striking he'd ever had in his PGA Tour career. Mm, the top yeah. three were all going back to, of course, when Ricky was proper Ricky in 17, 18, and 19. Yeah. The work he's doing with Butch Harmon and with Claude Harmon is working. There is absolutely no doubt about that. 11th at the Farmers, 10th at the Waste Management Phoenix Open when we were all on board and he had a very weak uh, a very weak um, four days with the driver. That had been tidied up by the time he got to Riviera. All of a sudden, the driver was fantastic. The stroke play, uh, the actual um, approach play was great. He struggled around the greens and I still don't think to this day that Ricky Fowler is comfortable on Poana Greens. I know it sounds ridiculous. He grew up in California, blah, 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 blah. I still think he's a far better animal on Bermuda grass and on bent grass. Bear in mind he lives in Jupiter. I mean, he's always practising. <laughs> always practising on, on Bermuda grass, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you see, you'd see him on... You'd see him on um, on the on the Netflix, they all go down to the same club, don't they? Bears Club or wherever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ricky Fowler, I thought eighty to one this week. He, he's got he's um he's had third here in twenty thirteen, and then he's had a twelfth, a fourteenth, and eighteenth in twenty twenty. Mm. I think Fowler at eighty to one is a decent shout. I might yeah. also be suckered in next week as well for a player at a, uh, you know a sort of a very nice each way price. I've got one at one hundred and eighty to one. I know you've got two at triple digits. So t- t- take us through. Have you got have you got this guy as well, or you got two? No, 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 ones? no. I've got, I've got two separate ones. So I'll do mine, and then um, you can round it off. Yeah, in terms of Ricky, I think the the wind will um, help him as well this week because I think you know he's one of these players who can play a bit of wind. So um, and certainly players who can't, and that's kind of shaped who um, I went with next. Um, I backed Lucas Herbert, one hundred and twenty five mm. to one. Now, Herbert's switched from a, a draw to a fade recently, and he's seeing a lot of good, positive results about it. He's talked about it at length and uh, seems really buoyed by the way that he's playing as a result of that. 
third at the Dubai Desert Classic, third at the Saudi International as well um, recently in, in this calendar year today. A couple of kind of also ran performances, I guess, since then, 50th in Phoenix and 58th um, at the Genesis. But he's coming into this, and, and form into this last year was miscut, miscut, um, and he finished seventh here. Um, so I think he can improve. He can improve on that. I think he can get close to an each way place or better this week. And again, as per Ricky, the promise of a bit of wind here um, this week helps his cause. I think uh, you'll remember he won the Bermuda Championship at the end of uh, twenty one, wasn't it? Um, in uh, and that was windy conditions yeah. that week um, as well. So um, it won't hurt him whatsoever. When while he's long game, while he's kind of got this um, this bounce, this honeymoon period from his uh, swing changes, then. Uh, I think he can go well this week, Lucas Herbert. Um, and the other one I've backed, um, I've stuck with Danny Willett. Um, and the reason for that is Willett is one of those players that I perennially call wrong. And then as soon as I drop him, he goes and performs well and gets a place or pops up with a win. He, he's just got this habit of popping up a week after I've backed him. So um, I'm going to close my eyes and just back Danny Willett at 200 to 1. Um, yeah, his form's not been that bad. 18th at the Genesis, 29th last week. Um, but he wasn't great off the tee last week, but the rest of his game was good. Three cuts, um, or he's made his last three cuts here at Bay Hill. Um, he's, he's, he's been in and around the top 20 years, so he's not not, um, not terrible course form. But putting well recently, scrambling really well. And if, you know, in these tougher tests, when it does get tougher, I think um, the short game can really start to come to fore, particularly in windy conditions. So... Um, he was first for scrambling at the Genesis, 12th for scrambling last week. So the short game is working really nicely. And uh, yeah, as I say, I think a tougher test could suit Danny Willett again this week. Um, yeah, I used that logic last week. It didn't quite work. But um, you know, up against a better quality field, perhaps that'll get these juices flowing. And you know, Danny, again, is another one of these players like a, like a, um, a Justin Rose who's going to need to really you know, pull something out if he's going to make the uh, Ryder Cup team this week, or this year rather. So... Uh, Big motivation for Danny, I think. But Danny and Lucas Herbert for me, from a longer prices. And that's my lot. I, I genuinely think this test suits Australians, suits Europeans. Yep. It suits players that play plenty of DP World Tour golf. Because mm. it's crappy. Yep. And a lot of the players in the field this week would not be in that field if it was a normal PGA Tour a year. They'd be just shelling up, getting ready for the players. Because they know this yeah. is an absolute beast of a golf course in horrible conditions. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm kind of following your logic. Um, I'm going for a European. I mean, he's going to be there with Yannick Paul. He's going to be there with a Rasmus Hoygaard, a Robert McIntyre, Adrian Moronk. Players of that ilk that could squeeze themselves into a Ryder Cup berth this year. Mm. He's in the top 30 in the world. I've backed him at 180 to 1. That's crazy. Now, there's a definite link, and it's bloody obvious, between PDA National and here at Bay Hill. Two Florida typical Florida golf courses, water everywhere, open to the elements, tend to be firm and fast in terms of their turf conditions. McElroy's won both. Tiger Woods, an eight-time winner here. He finished second at... Uh, Honda Classic on his course debut. Hatton's won here. He's got a fourth at PGA National. You've then got Chris Kirk, of course, that's got a great record here and won the Honda Classic last week. Sun Jae Im. 
Matt Jones, Keith Mitchell, Lee Westwood, Gary Woodland. There's a whole list of them. There's also a player that joins that list. Saying that, his form here reads miscut, miscut, miscut. That's driving 180 to 1. No one's interested at all in the betting market. I think I'm the only person that might have had a bet on him. Sepp Stracker. Three quarters of a point each way. 180 to 1. Bet 365. Eight plays each way. Mm. Loves his Bermuda, doesn't he? Second for driving accuracy. Fifth for total driving. First for greens in regulation. Fourth for ball striking. And seventh for proximity to hole last week at PGA National. Where he was defending as a maid, you know, for the maiden time. He ranks second for approach. Sixth for T to green. Those are mad numbers. He drove the ball over 300 yards in driving distance. Loves his Bermuda. He's the eighth best European in the official world golf rankings and he's 180 to 1 in the betting market. So yeah, throw him in. Might miss cut, but I'll tell you what, I think when we know, I mean, clearly he's won the Honda Classic. He he plays okay on tough, single-digit winning tests. Sepp Stracker mm. plays. He plays just fine. I remember him finishing uh, fifth at Houston at Memorial Park in twenty twenty, way before he he kind of got to this level in the rankings. He can hang about. He was also ninth yeah. at the Players last year. Yeah, again on Bermuda. Yep. So yeah, Sep. I just took that because that price seems to be, to me, to be wrong. It's 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 a disrespectful price, one hundred and eighty to one. So yeah, I've got Sep Strucker at one eighty, Fowler at eighty. That's long gone. Uh, Jason Day at thirty five to one. Bear in mind, I was getting these tips out just after lunchtime on Monday. Zalatoris at twenty two to one, and I've gone win only a bit of an insurance bet twenty one to two on Scotty Scheffler. I think that's us, Paul. Indeed, it is. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think we're Barry List next week because I think he's off to Barcelona, isn't he? So uh, he's jet setting, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's uh, back back for all of the pre-masters content that we've been saying that. I'm I'm recording the podcast, and then I'm jetting off to Iceland. Very nice. I've sold most of my belongings and remortgaged, so I can afford a couple of beers <laughs> while I'm out there. And uh, I'll come back absolutely penniless. But at least, I, well, I might see the Northern Lights. There's no guarantee of that, is there? Well, they're visible in the UK yesterday. But yes, I just saw on Twitter someone flying into Dublin and, and she was looking at the Northern Lights out of the window. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Could have so, saved yeah. yourself a few quid. Could have done. I hope your bets go well this week, Paul. Yeah, you too. Best of luck. I'm off for a lie down in a darkened room. I hope the listeners' bets go well and we'll be back next week for one of the highlights of 2023, the Players' Championship. See you again soon. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf